Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Patty G Show. I'm your host, Patty G, here in Uncle Earl's with Nick Miller. No, not from who? Not from uh, who's that girl? Jess. What's the TV New girl. show? New Girl. Thank you. Not from New Girl, although he might be. Who knows? No, we're here with Build CC, Build Commercial Construction. We're going to talk about his story, how he got started and really everything that's going on in the construction world. And before we do, big shout out to our wonderful sponsors, Triton Stone and Falaya Real Estate. And without further ado, Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. I'm glad to, to have you on the show and have you here. It took us a little while. I think you, you reached out to me, right? I if did. I'm remembering this correctly, via yeah. a D, you slid into the DMs. Slid into the DMs, <laughs> I did. <laughs> so who are you, man? What do you do? Who is Nick Miller? Uh, Nick Miller. I'm uh, born and raised in Baton Rouge. Um, grew up here, went to school here, went to LSU. Uh, worked in uh, construction all the way through college and uh, in commercial construction throughout my working career and uh, jumped out on my own uh, about a year ago to start wow. my own commercial construction firm. So like right in the heat of COVID, you just like you know, took it off the COVID, deep end and said, let's go. Heat of COVID, baby, another one on the way. <laughs> Tell my wife, let's do it. What a better time, you know? <laughs> so we decided to jump out and uh, it's been it's been awesome. So, wow. So yeah. you you worked for a commercial construction <clears throat> company for how long? So um, in college, in college, I worked in uh, high end residential, um, did not love the residential, decided I wanted to try something more structured. And so decided to shift to the commercial route, uh, went to work for a large company called Manhattan Construction. They're one of the biggest commercial construction firms in the nation. Build Cowboy Stadium, LaBerge Casino, a bunch of projects like oh, that. Wow. They're huge. Um, so I went to work for them, um, which is a pretty entertaining story in itself about how I got that job. But uh, how, How'd you get that job? You can't say it's an entertaining yeah, yeah. story and then we're not going to share it. Yeah, well, so when I was in college, we were I was graduating in 2010, right? Commercial construction was absolutely dead in Baton Rouge. Nothing going on. And um, so <clears throat> I was firing out resumes to literally any commercial construction company and could not get an interview at all. Nobody really? wanted to interview me. Um, I had all residential experience. And so I, I basically found out, hey, what's the biggest project going on in Baton Rouge? LaBerge Casino. All right, who's building that? And so I looked at that project, that company. All right, the Houston office is, is where this project is being built from because they have multiple locations. I went on LSU's careers to go website, figured out who the point person was. Which is now Handshake. Right. Uh, figured out who the point person was for their construction interviewing day and uh, called the job site. And I was like, hey, I need to speak to Lucas. And they're like, one second. And I was like, Doop! and I hung up the phone. And I was like, okay, so he's there. So, <laughs> Wait, so you called and asked for somebody and then, and I then hung you up. hung up. Okay. So I was like, all right, so now I've confirmed that this is the right guy to talk to because he's the one doing the hiring and he's on site working. So I showed up at the job trailer and I was like, hey, um, spoke to the Houston office. I forgot the guy's name. He sent me for an interview with Lucas. And they were like, Oh, okay, one second. And so they sat me down with him. Wait, 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 wait. Hold up. Back up, <laughs> back up, back up. So you just conned yourself into an interview with these people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. And um, I love it so much. Couldn't get an interview. You had to force one, you know? So yeah. sat down with him. <clears throat> He's like, oh, okay, yeah, man, I, don't, I do not have a copy of your resume. I, I was like, that's okay. I've updated it since you've got it. Here's a fresh copy. And we, he interviewed so me. You were ready. <laughs> I was ready to go. And so uh, he interviewed me and hired me and uh, we became good friends. I mean, he knows uh, that story. So. Okay. That's good. Pretty, pretty entertaining. Um, I was about to say, how did that go? How did that play back when he sent it off to the, the Houston office and was like, hey. Well, so they were looking for somebody anyway. And so I know just they were like, looking for but still do they like, no, we didn't send this guy to you. Like, what did that internal conversation look like? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea, but it was great. We It was a great working relationship. And whenever I told him, he was like, I mean, I knew it, but that was just such a bold move. I had to have you. And I was like, oh, great. I'm glad I'm glad you uh, made that decision. So yeah. I uh, I worked with them on, on LaBerge Casino. And then um, I moved to Oklahoma to build uh, Native American casino resorts. Okay. So Manhattan had a uh, Native American division that teamed with tribes to develop casino resorts for them. And uh, so I did that for a little while, lived in a tiny little town in North Oklahoma. And, um, you know, 
worked a lot, a lot of hours. And then I bet I got engaged to my lovely wife and um, she was graduating from grad school. And she was like, hey, where should I go apply for a job? And I was like, OK, fair question. <laughs> I work out of the Houston office, but I live in Oklahoma. I can see how you need to know that. And so went to uh, went to my boss. I was like, hey, where will my next project be? And then he was like, OK, so we're either going to go to College Station to demolish and rebuild Texas A&M's football stadium, or we're going to build a $100 million park in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I was like, those are so far from each other. <laughs> where should I tell my wife to apply for a job? And he was just like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, Not yet. Don't apply yeah, yet. I don't know. And so I was like, oh, man. So then... I got a call from a from a company in Baton Rouge that was looking for someone, and I was like, "Well, this is I've always wanted to come back home anyway." So, right, I said, "You know what? That's perfect timing," and <clears throat> took the leap to come back to work with a, a local company, and you know, was there for eight years before I jumped out on my own. Very nice. So you had yeah. this this kind of knack for building casinos in general, or was it just the projects you were assigned to? It was casino Since resorts you is what conned we conned your way into that job. Right, right. So I, so I slid into that job. So, uh, yeah, casino resorts. It was a lot of fun, fast and furious. Um, the last job I was on, we were doing two $38 million casino resorts. Wow. An hour apart from each other on like a 15-month schedule ground up. So it was like massive, super fast. Like work shifts were like 7 to 7, Monday to Friday, seven to five on Saturday and seven to noon on Sunday. And Jeez. Yeah. So, you know, not a whole lot of time to really get out and see the sites. Yeah, no. I mean, you're building a site that everyone's going to come see. So you don't right. need to know what everybody, everything else looks like. Just focus Absolutely. on that project. Absolutely. So that is very time intense, very heavy in the, uh, the labor and intensive side of it. Right. Doesn't sound like it'd be a good business for a family man, would it? No, especially <laughs> one just getting married. Right. Not to mention, they're not going to build casinos in the same town over and over again. So you got to be ready to travel over and over again. Yeah, it's like, hey, honey, you know how you always said you love to see the city, like to see the, to see the country? Well, great. That's what we're, we're going to do. We're going to do that again next year. <laughs> well, but you're going to do it by yourself because I'll be working all this time. Right. And by the way, most of these <clears throat> casino resorts are in really small towns. That's cool too, right? You know? <laughs> it's not like we're going somewhere sexy, you know? It's like, yeah, we're not going to a big town. I was living in Ponca City, Oklahoma. You know, it was population of 14,000 before ConocoPhillips moved to their headquarters elsewhere. So there was nobody there. Wow. Me so and why my are great they building Dane a casino and, there? Um, it's humongous business. I mean, when we went there, they were building adjacent to the existing casino, which was um, four double-wide trailers with slot machines and table games in them. And the parking lots were so full that they were busing people in from adjacent areas on Friday nights. Wow. It is absurd how busy they are. You wouldn't think so. With, I mean, I guess it's the only thing to do in, the, in those towns is, yeah. hey, let's go play at the casino. I guess so. There's, I can vouch. There's not a lot. <laughs> so yeah, I got really good at uh, grilling ribeyes and, uh, you know, other things that me and my dog could do together. So... <laughs> So you, you live in these obscure locations for, for how many years was it you were doing that? Oh, I just did that for two years. So, so. so two years and then you're like, enough of that. You want to come back to something more realistic, more <clears throat> long term? Or was it just an opportunity arose type deal? It, it kind of all happened at the same time. You know, I, I, had the, I knew that I wanted to come back home at some point. Um, I wasn't averse to living elsewhere, but I knew <laughs> I wanted to come home. I like Baton Rouge a lot. Grew up here. Have a lot of great friends here. It's the community is what I like here and have a lot of connections that I, you know, have been fortunate to build. And so knew I wanted to come back. And then the timing worked out to where it was like, all right, I probably need to look. And then I got a random phone call. So it all just happened at the exact time that gotcha. it needed to happen for me to gravitate back home. Was it, was there any pressure from the, the wife trying to find a job in three different cities at one time? Uh, she was looking for jobs in three different cities at one time. And you know, I don't think that was her favorite thing to do. That's for certain. <laughs> so she was pretty pleased when I decided to come back home. I bet. I yeah. bet those, those wives have a way, man. They yeah. have a way to, to, to work what needs to happen. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't such an uh, accidental phone call I got, you know. Right? <laughs> Pulled some puppet strings. <laughs> That's right. She's like, hey, my, my husband uh, really is looking for a great opportunity in the Baton Rouge area. Yeah. Yeah. 
So. You should really reach out to him. Here's his resume. Absolutely. And then when he walks in, he'll give you an updated resume. That's it's just, right, it's just he, his forte. He, he thinks you don't have one. That's right. <laughs> so, so you move back to Baton Rouge, start working with an entirely different company. Were you yep. familiar with the owners at the time or was it just a no, shot in the dark? <clears throat> no, I was not familiar with the company at all. Okay. So um, <clears throat> one of the main reasons I really wanted to go to travel around, go to Oklahoma, all that stuff was because I had some really good superintendents and senior level field guys that were teaching me. <clears throat> so I've always kind of been gravitated towards a, uh, a boots on the ground, hands on teacher kind of person. And the guy that, that hired me back to Baton Rouge was a president of a Baton Rouge, of the Baton Rouge division, but he was an old field guy. So he like, I mean, he played into exactly the kind of teacher I like to learn under, you Gosh. know? So I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have pegged you as a boots on the ground guy for someone who just shows up at a job site. I just got done washing paint off my hands <laughs> to come here, you know. So I love it. I got I got paint on the back of my calf from refinishing our tub in our house. So yeah, yeah. I, I can definitely understand that. So then you you work for a company for what was it? You said eight years, just about almost eight years. Yeah. <clears throat> so what made you want to make the leap, man? That's a that's a big leap to take. I mean, I know it you're bold and all. Right. <laughs> I'm willing to take a You're slight willing gamble. To take a gamble. Right. Uh, no casino pun intended. Right. But you take the leap for after working for somebody for eight years, saying, no, I can do this better. Or well, was it something else? No. So, so basically what it amounted to was I had always had a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit, you know, always kind of wanted to do my own thing at some point. Didn't really know when talked about it, you know, I don't know, eight years ago. And Whenever I talked about it then, I was like, you know, I don't know that I have the right kind of experience just yet. Um, went to work as a project manager, ended up moving up and being in charge of the project management uh, division. And then, you know, essentially what it amounted to was it was always in the back of my mind. And when you have enough clients, subcontractors, friends who say, why don't you do this for yourself? That eventually I was just like, man, I, I got to quit ignoring this. And I, I went one afternoon and met with a friend of mine and he was like, you know, you need to stop messing around and do this for yourself. And I was like, you know, I don't know, maybe I will one day, but you know, right now I got a second kid on the way, you know, what am I going to do for the first year while I figure out where my jobs are going to come from and how I'm going to pay my bills. And he was like, right. So you're reciting a problem that every other person that started a business had to figure out. So like, I have no sympathy for you because it's been figured out already. Like people yeah. figure this out. People have done it. Right. And so I went home and like my wife was staying home with the kids cause daycares were shut down. And I was like, Hey, so <laughs> I, I know there's you. a global pandemic happening. And I know that like we get that really trusty check every Friday. But like, what if we didn't get that? Hear me out. Yeah. Hear me out. Let's forfeit that. Yeah. I swear it's a good idea. In the long run, it's a good idea. <clears throat> yeah. So basically, I, I just got to the point where I quit ignoring it. And like, I, I, you know, there's something to this. If people keep asking me, why don't I do this? Why don't I do this? Like, I think I should, I think I should do it. <laughs> <laughs> so like growing up as a kid, did you like ever have any entrepreneurial spirit? Were you do, like, doing lemonade stands or was it just a, a later on in life type gig? No, I always had, you know, some harebrained idea of how we we're going to make money and stuff like that. But I wouldn't, I wasn't doing lemonade stands and something like that. You know, most of the time when I had an idea, it involved me spending like my parents' money ah, in order to okay. make that money. <laughs> no, but uh, no, I wouldn't say I was especially entrepreneurial. I, I was around it. You know, a lot of my family members are. Um, so it's just always been kind of omnipresent, but yeah. So you had that, that, that okayness with entrepreneurship. Yeah. You know, it's like your family's like, Oh, we do it. You know, your cousins, your uncles, whoever, whoever yeah. they were, it's like they do it. So it's clearly something that's okay. Yeah. And construction's always been something that's natural for me. You know, I grew up in that. My grandpa was a, a craftsman and grew up watching that and being around it and built multiple houses with him and tore down buildings with him. And so we just kind of always been around it, you know? Yeah. And that's, I mean, I, when I was growing up, I had the, the entrepreneurial knack as well, but it was more of a find little projects, little things to do. And it's like, mm -hmm. once I achieved them, I, okay, great. On to the next thing. It's yeah. like, I, I enjoyed that, that building process better than the finished product. Yeah. You know, I, I really enjoy the building process of the business. Like, you know, we're, we're gaining traction. We do have good momentum and, you know, for, for anybody that's thinking about doing it, I would tell them like, Hey, definitely do it. But 
if you're not okay with being the first one there and the last one to leave, like it may not be for you because like you really need to be passionate about the process. hundred percent. You know, you, you know, yeah, you want, everybody wants the fruits at the end, but like if you're not passionate about the process and you can't enjoy the process of getting there, then like, it's not going to be a fun thing for you, you know? Oh yeah. And it doesn't, that doesn't matter what the business is. You know, if you're an, if you're a nine to five, if you're an employee, yeah. You know, you know that you love, or let's say you love your job. You love doing what you're doing, but you only love that part of the job. You sure. don't love all the other administrative side of things or the other side of the billing or whatever the, the other job is that you don't have in that company. And you say, oh, I love doing this. Let me go start my own thing. You'll quickly find out if you don't love the process as a whole, every side of it, you're going to get burnt out and that yeah. business is not going to take off. That's accurate. I mean, if you're like, oh, I just want to build houses. That's it. That's all I want. Or I want to build buildings. That's all I want to do. And then you just started that and it's like, okay, great. We're building buildings. Yeah. Now what? <laughs> like, I know. I know. So I, I get really immersed in the, in every project we look at. Like I, I get totally emotionally invested. You know, it's, it's funny cause we, you know, what we focus on is we try and be a total service for the client. It's a customer service based approach. We're not in the construction business. We're in the customer service business. Like that's the reality. Everyone so, is, man. Absolutely. You have to be. Um, and so what we try and do is we do a lot of site selection for people. We go look at buildings and tell the owner, hey, based on your needs and what what's here, this is not the right move for you. And then we do design assist for them, design build. And I get way too into, oh, wow. hey, this is not a good idea for for our project. And they're like, Okay, I understand that, but <laughs> it's my project. And yeah. you know, so I don't know, it's just it's a fun, it's always fun for me. Every every project's a little bit different and that's entertaining to me. Have you ever had to like turn down a client because y'all didn't agree on where the project should go? No, it hasn't come to that point. No. But but I, you know, I don't know. I don't know that I would be that passionate about my stance. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, it's like I, I can hear it in your voice. You you care more a lot more than just giving a set of plans, putting your hands, say, okay, great, we'll build it. Yeah. You know, you're like, well, wait, why is an eye center building this type of a building? Yeah. Like they really should be looking at this different angle, this different side of the side of the building. Like they need this <clears throat> added to it. You know what? This location really isn't good for their business. Why don't we look at these other three other spots? Yeah. Like you like a holistic approach to it. Well, that's kind of what I think the clients are looking for from us. You know, a lot of our clients are, they have a primary business and that business is not developing or construction. Yeah. And they're looking for us to be that expertise. And so a lot of times, you know, most industries, they teach you to upsell. Well, I think we, I think we gain more of their trust by downselling them, you know, tell them, Hey, you don't have to do that. You don't have to spend that money. And, and it even comes down to the life cycle of a construction loan. It's like, Hey, the permit office wants you to pay X, Y, Z fee but you don't need to carry the carry costs of that for eight months. You can defer that and I'll tell you when to pay that fee because some of those fees can be pretty significant dollar figures that you're going to carry a percentage on. So, you know, those are the kind of details where we're trying to add value for a client where they wouldn't have previously gotten it had they gone out and done it themselves, right? Yeah, I mean, that's especially like, because you're talking <clears throat> to entrepreneurs or business owners, they're focused Absolutely. on their craft. Absolutely. They don't have time. You know, they can say, okay, we want to expand, hire a construction company. We think this geographical area is going to be a great place. Here's a lot for sale. Have them start building. Yeah. And then you come in like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's this go is, in the other corner. This isn't the right Where the lot. traffic flows a lot better to get into your, your location. Yeah. Or maybe based on the utility requirements, the utilities are, are in, a, in a location that they can't get to them. Yeah. Or maybe they have the wrong utilities. You know, a lot of those things are pretty critical. Or maybe we do a soil boring and we're like, for what size, what type of building you're building, this this makes no sense. But over here, it makes a lot of sense. Can you live with the changes in vehicle traffic per day, this, that, whatever, whatever it may be, right? So they're yeah. looking for that input from us. 100%. And I love that. I love that approach. I love that, you know, <clears throat> end goal approach mm -hmm. for what's best for the client. Absolutely. You know, you're, you're taking that extra time, that extra service step of saying, hey, let's really look at what you need and not just the building. Yeah. Let's look at, you know, your business plans. Let's look at what your strategic growth is and will this actually achieve it with this building design? Yeah. You know, because to a normal person, like, oh, we're just building a building. Yeah, we're just putting this new resident, this new building here for this company. Sure, move on. But y'all are like, no, there's yeah. so much more we have to take into account here. Absolutely. And, and sometimes we, 
<clears throat> we have a client that says, hey, I want a, I want a 10,000 square foot of building. And we're like, okay, well, you know, what do you need today? Well, they only need 4,000 and they really can't afford 10,000. Okay, well, let's put provisions in place to make that up, that uplift going from five to 10 to make that growth a lot easier. Let's build you five right now and let's start there, you know, and, and be looking at the long-term master plan for them. Right. So let's, let's, but within our five, we make it easy to add on if we need to. Absolutely. You know, not just build you a finished five and call it a day. And not only that, not give you half of what you want in that five. We'll give you all of what you want in that five. And then you'll have the ability to add five later. Right. And then looking at where their room for expansion would be to say, hey, we'll give you all the five that you need right now. And then on the back or the side or wherever, this is not going to be, you know, this is going to be open to expansion. Yeah. And it we're, makes it so much easier. We're looking at that for a group right now that said, you know, we want 9,000 square feet. They really only need five to six. We said, okay, well, let's do this in a building that has an extra three foot, 3,000 foot of pavilion on the back. Turns out they love the pavilion. They're like, maybe we should have thought of putting a pavilion. <laughs> maybe we won't ever build in there. Yeah. You know, so it, it has its benefits to look at stuff like that. Right. Because it, when, when an, as an entrepreneur looking to expand, we, you know, have that one location in mind. We have that one building in mind because that's what our business is, is centered around. And for some, it is. They need it right there. They need that exact plan. They need that exact template made because they're going on a different route. But for those that are, you know, the three offs, the five offs, the sixth location, you know, the lower numbers, you've got some room to say, hey, <clears throat> let's really assess what you're trying to accomplish here. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we do a lot of that for existing buildings as well. Um, you know, we, we did a church a while back and they brought me to a building that was, you know, 10,000 square foot and it was just a wide open, used to be a retail center. So it was zero walls, concrete walls all the way around. And he was like, this is great. It's a blank slate. And I was like, I understand, <laughs> but with your budget, this is a huge blank slate and you can only afford to build out like a quarter of it. Yeah. And he was like, okay, well, let's just see what we can afford. And then we went and looked at another building and I was like, this is it. This is the building. And we, we decided to go with that building. And uh, it actually ended up, we turned a basketball court into a church. And okay. it had the front area, which were classrooms and gather areas and stuff like that. They made all that their offices. And I was like, hey, this is it. Like, this is cosmetic only. We're spending the right amount of money. We're getting you the same square footage. Mm -hmm. But this is a much better blank slate than what we had over there. You know, right. put, putting all those walls up costs money. It, it, it does, you know, and even putting temporary walls or false walls to mm -hmm. be there till they can afford to keep on growing is significant. Right. And changing the HVAC to meet your new wall layout and yeah. changing the plumbing and change, you know, all those things are dollar signs. And a lot of times, you know, bringing stuff like that up to a client, the, the best way to say it is that's money that gets you nothing. I mean, it gets you infrastructure but infrastructure is not pretty. And like, you know, the rest of the people that are going to come in this building are going to be like, it looks the same. Yeah, but we added six toilets. You know, like <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to hear we that. Have, we have six more toilets than we did. Yeah, it's like replacing your roof. It's like I, I had a roof to begin with. Mm -hmm. I need to pay to replace it, but I'll still only have a roof. You know what I mean? Right. Like all it's going to do is keep me dry. That's very important, but can we spend that money elsewhere? You yeah. know? Can instead of, you know, doing a, a pretty, pretty good job on the roof, then have a better kitchen. You know, sure, absolutely. Focus on better highlights of the highlights of that. So, with, with within listening to all this, you sound like you're very customer centric, customer focused, and really trying to tailor every project and not just throw a blanket on top of every one of them. You know, you're like, I, I can hear the emotional devotion to <laughs> yeah. each project that you have, which is which is excellent. So, what was it like, kind of landing that first client? Wow. So when we went out, I went out on my own and was setting up a lot of stuff. I had to get licensure set up and uh, had to set up all the legal aspects of the business, find somewhere to go. Cause I figured out in COVID that I was not good at working at home. I just, Some people aren't. I'm not good at it. We don't have the space for it. You know, we, kids are in those rooms and the guest room is the guest room. And like, it's in between the two kids' bedrooms. Like it just didn't make sense. So um, we had to land in an office and, and then I started, I started hitting the phones and telling people what was going on. So, so you say hitting the phone, who do you call? I mean, like if I'm starting a construction, who, who in the world do you even call to begin with? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I call first, I started with friends and then I went to friends that are on the design side, you know, engineers, architects, uh, 
past clients, telling them, hey, look, this is what I'm doing. Um, you know, let me know if there's anything I can help you with. And, and, you know, I'm very fortunate to say that that literally took me like seven days and we had more to estimate than I could do by myself. It really? Was, it was crazy. It was absolutely insane. And, um, and so we started estimating, I started estimating and doing it on the weekends and like the wee hours of the night and morning. And we started landing jobs. And, uh, you know, I think it was like 30 days in that I was, I was at a project and it was like a Friday night at like five 30 and I'm sweeping a floor and my two-year-old came with me and he's got his plastic hammer and he's whacking a wall next to me. And I'm just like, there's gotta be a better way. Like I have got to get some employees pronto. And so we started hiring and, uh, we, we started hiring and I was like, I don't know that I have enough work to support them, but I'm still, I still need more work and I'm still hunting for work. And as we've picked up more work, we've picked up more people and are slowly building. We are gaining a lot of momentum. That's incredible. I think that's, especially from a new business standpoint, the worrisome factor is if I hire all these people, I have to keep having jobs. Yeah. I have to keep them employed. Yeah. You know, as a, I can't hire you on for one job and then float for two weeks and then start <clears> another <throat> job. You know, I've got to have one job finish and another job that's already a day or two late that I've got to get you on. Yeah. So we, uh, we had that discussion recently, like we, we were talking to somebody and I told my Eric, my general superintendent, I was like, I, I just, I don't know, man, if I, if we hire him, like, I know we could put him here for a year, but you know, what, what's going to happen in 12 months if we don't have another job? And he was like, yeah. So is, is that ever not going to be a problem? And I was like, well, no, I mean, that's forever going to be a problem. He's like, big deal. Why are we talking about it? Sound, <laughs> sounds like it's going to be a problem forever. So like, why are you going to hold off because of that? I was like, that is incredibly clear headed. That's a great idea. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah. It's brilliant. So yeah, it's, it's always a little bit of a, a worry factor, but. Well, but I think every business owner or <clears throat> business leader lives in that sense of worry factor. You sure. Know, it's what happens when this stops. Sure. You know, my, what, what happens if this project stops or this one doesn't come? You know? Yeah. My, my uncle told me the other day, oh, every business owner should just be a little bit paranoid. Just a little yeah, bit. You want to be a little bit paranoid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're going to be a little bit paranoid by keeping the lights on. Yeah, absolutely. Because it could all, I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's all on you. Yeah. As, as the business owner, you're not, you're not waiting for someone to send you that check on Friday. You're signing those checks on Friday. <laughs> right. That's right. And sometimes you may not be getting one in that stack. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the, the, the sad kind of reality of entrepreneurship is at the end of the day, you got to make sure your customers and your employees are happy. Absolutely. Because with, without them, your business is nothing. Hey, that's no doubt. If without them, uh, you know, stuff, stuff didn't get done during the day that should have got done and the wheels come to a screeching halt. Yeah. So, so you, you started during COVID after eight years <clears throat> of working for somebody. How do you push past that. And I mean, I know you got within seven days, you were super swamped, but how do you then like look to scale a business or are you at that point yet? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so we kind of have a target range that each person, each person within the organization should be holding with it as far as project size, dollar value or project quantity. And, uh, we, we add on, you know, bolt on new people, as the work necessitates, uh, we have, you know, different targets and goals that we're trying to achieve. And, and, uh, as we watch the, our trajectory and how we're heading towards those goals, we, we have certain points in time where we add new people to the team. And, uh, fortunately up until now, we've, we've been, we've been able to, we've never searched for an employee. They've all come to us. Really? Which has been really cool. That's it's awesome. been very, very cool. Um, so we're, we're attracting the right people. We're attracting great talent. And, um, and I hope, I hope it continues. You know, yeah. that's, that's obviously the goal. 100%. So. And what, what has been that best tool of attraction that you found? Um, you know, personal <clears throat> relationship. Uh, you know, who wants, to, who wants to go to work and feel emotionally detached from the rest of the people in the building? You know, the people that work for us are, are friends. You know, they're, they're people that we knew or got to know and developed a personal relationship where there's a comfort there. And it, it, it feels like we're all winning when we all win and we're all losing when anybody loses, you know? So it's, it's, it's a very healthy culture. And, uh, and it's one that, like I said, we hope we can maintain yeah. something you have to constantly work on. That's for sure. 
Yeah, company culture is not a one, here's the, here's the rule book, abide by it yeah. type thing. Yeah, com- culture is not found in a rule book. You know? <laughs> no. And, and it, and it, uh, it ebbs and flows, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, it changes day to day. <clears throat> and when everybody gets busy and nobody's seeing each other, <laughs> like, you have to remind yourself, hey, there's, there's a culture here that, that is going to take a hit if we don't get some FaceTime in, in one way, shape, or form, you know? I didn't, fortunately, ha- I didn't have to fight through that with COVID because when we started up, we were small and, and COVID started relaxing by the time we started really growing. So we haven't necessarily had to tackle a group, an, an event like that, but... I can only imagine how some of the larger firms dealt with, you know, nobody being able to see each other anymore. And people having to learn how to use technology. Right. And for for some understanding that, you know, even though your camera's here, you still need to wear pants. Right. (laughs) Right. That is a rule. So So how how did y'all, did y'all do anything special during COVID or, you know, what what did it look like for y'all getting through that? Even though you were at the early phases of growth, how did y'all kind of manage those boundaries? Sure. So um, there were a lot of safety precautions and things like that where we had to leave sanitizing stations and monitor when certain people were going to project sites. You know, if we're working in a building where people are occupying, then we don't want to be there while they're there. Not for us, for them. You know, they're, they're a client. We need to work around them. So sometimes we have to work in the evenings whenever they've wrapped up and they're out of there. And it just kind of is what it is, you know? So we, we dealt with that. We dealt with controlling the quantity of people on site and in construction, you know, a lot of times you'll see a a schedule start to slip. And then at the end of the job, there's, it looks like an ant pile at the job site. You can't have that, you know? So you can't have that when you're restricted to how many people can gather and be in an area. And so it makes you be ultra focused on what's the schedule look like? How are we tracking? Let's make sure that nothing happens to hijack the schedule. And so, you know, now the funny thing is on the back end of COVID, we're dealing with more schedule constraints than we dealt with during COVID. You really? Know, with material shortages and <clears throat> back orders and trucks not showing up. I mean, that's the stuff we're fighting now. How, Price escalations. Yeah, I was, I was about to, let's, let's, <clears throat> let's get into that. What has that been like for y'all with all the, the, the supply shortage and the price gouging, I guess, is a good way to put it. I don't know how to put what's happening, man. Sure. No, I mean, uh, it's been, it's been challenging. It's been something that you need to have a very upfront conversation about when you're looking at initial pricing and say, Hey, you know, this is, this is what the price is today. And these are the steps that we could take to mitigate potential escalations. Most of the potential escalations, avoiding those has to do with the time it takes you to make a decision on a go, no go. You know, if, if we turn in pricing today and I can tell somebody, yes, you know, by the end of the week, that makes a totally different price than, hey, we'll have a price in uh, approval in 30 days or 60 days, you know, because yeah, then just can't happen now. Yeah. Then that subcontractor is going to say, well, I need to I need to err on the side of caution because I don't want to get burned. So, you know, that you kind of got to protect those on a on a individual basis, depending on what the owner's trajectory is and what their timeline is on getting their building started. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I know, especially now, like everyone's being impacted by this. Yeah. You know, it's not just commercial construction or industrial construction, it's residential construction. Yeah. Largely. I mean, you've got people that are building houses that are upside down in the mortgages. Yeah. We, um, so we we're building a large job on Jefferson. (laughs) It's a stick frame job and everybody knows what the lumber market's doing right now. We, we started construction, we demolished the existing building in February and were released with a permit at the end of February. And so we bought the lumber for that job in December. Really? Because we were watching the market and we were like, it's not going down. And so we were like, you know, maybe it'll go down a little bit and we'll be kicking ourselves, but we'd rather, we'd rather be in that position than lumber prices double again, which is almost what they did over the <clears> previous <throat> year. Yeah. You know, a sheet of plywood that, you know, a, a particle board sheet of plywood that was $10 is $30. You know, that's a huge number. Has, has it really changed that much? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like going like a factor of three. Yeah. And and we we have stacks of lumber on site and our joke is gold, they're calling them gold bricks. You're like, yeah, move the gold bricks <laughs> over to the front. And then, you know, so it, we were we were very fortunate. Now we look like we were really smart. We're not that smart. We we just said this seems like a safe bet. So we purchased the lumber in December and we were very happy we purchased the lumber in December. You know, I, I, I bet. 
So I mean, any, anybody that purchased any types of building supplies, lumber, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever you purchased back in 2020, I'm sure is, you know, out on the side of the street saying, Hey, we got two by four for sale. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I saw a picture that kind of captured what was happening with that. And it was a guy posted a picture of this beat up two by four. It was like two feet long on top of a gas can. And it said, you know, a gallon of gas and a two foot piece of two by four for 150 bucks. No low ballers. I know what I have. Yeah, absolutely. He's right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's absolutely crazy. And the crazier part is like, okay, we, we, when you order something that you haven't necessarily already purchased, well, when's it coming in? I don't know. Yeah. And it's like a week out. It's like, you can't tell me within seven days of well, when well, I'm like going to get, get it. That's no, not yet. So, so we're expecting our first and congratulations. Thank you. Um, and so we just like did some purchasing for cribs and stuff like that. Oh man. I Three months. You did it. Oh, that's not Three bad. Three months out. That's not bad. Uh, really? I thought that was bad. No, that's not bad. Hmm. So we're, I, I think we were waiting on a couch that was like 16 weeks out, <laughs> you know? That was when we did, when we did our bedroom set, it was like, I mean, our, our living room set, it was, I think eight weeks. Yeah. Eight weeks to get it. And I'm like, I feel like just, I could build a couch. I was exactly like, I could weeks. say I could go build a couch, do everything quicker than that turnaround right. time would be. Right. I'm no skilled craftsman. It would be an ugly couch, but I could get something. But it would be built. On. You could sit on it. Be For comfy. sure. For sure. So on the, the marketing side of things, beforehand we were talking, you said you're, you do know Facebook. I'm familiar with Facebook. <laughs> so I, I know you know Facebook, but you said for you, because I tried to go tag you before the show and I right. couldn't find you. And I was like, like, I couldn't find Nick Miller. Well, I found, I found Nick Miller's, but not the right Nick Miller. Right. And, uh, and I couldn't find Build CC. Yeah. And so wait, hang on. Do you refer to it as Build CC or Build Commercial Construction? Build CC. Okay. Got it. We, we call it Build Commercial, but in writing, usually we say Build CC. So. Gotcha. So why why the no Facebook route? So I, I mentioned this to you, but actually there's more to the story. So when I uh, graduated from LSU, the my student email was linked to the Facebook account. And I was like, I don't have access to it anymore. I've, I've forgotten the password and I couldn't figure out how to get into it. And I was like, eh, you know what? I need to take a breather from Facebook anyway. It's a time sucker. <laughs> so I just got rid of it. And Too much Farmville? I guess so. Whatever it was I was doing on Facebook at the time. And so I just got rid of it. And I was like, man, I do not miss that at all. And so we just never got back on Facebook. And we had a, a discussion a while back. It was like, <clears throat> should we be on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram? I was like, I use Instagram more than I, I would think Instagram is more popular for somebody just tagging pictures of a building. So let's just use that. And then we, we looked at our target clients and, and where they're interacting, and we see a lot more traction on the LinkedIn side. So that's kind of where we decided to focus our efforts. Am I saying we're not going to get a Facebook? No, we're not vehemently opposed to Facebook. Yeah, you're not, you're not but, like, uh, but I'm not dying to get on Facebook, I'll tell you. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that totally makes sense. I mean, yeah. in, all, in, all, in all honesty, it, it makes sense. Yeah. You know, as we're, we're streaming this live to LinkedIn right now, and for those viewing it later, it'll be on YouTube, and it'll eventually be on Facebook and everywhere else. But right now the live is on LinkedIn. Right. And for my for the for the Patty G show, it's a business podcast, right? It's local entrepreneurs sharing local stories is the tagline. Yeah. And so having that business centered mindset, LinkedIn is huge. And LinkedIn is not just your go find a job by using handshake or, you know, careers yeah. to go. It's promote your business to other business minded individuals. Yeah. You know, and how do you, how can you reach them on the platform when they're thinking business? Right. I mean, on Facebook, you got to sift through some guy selling <coughs> tires. And I feel like it has on, become a heavy marketplace space. Heavy now. marketplace, yeah. So on on LinkedIn, you know, you're you're getting directly to your target, and uh, a lot of times you're getting to the decision maker. Here's proof of concept: when we set up our LinkedIn, you know, I made a big post on LinkedIn. It was like, hey, went out on my own, whatever, and. I got a lead to price a job that we landed. Second post, I posted and we got a lead where I priced a job. We didn't land it, but I was like, man, if that's not proof of concept, I've posted twice on LinkedIn <laughs> and we got two pricing exercises out of this deal where we met with the client, they wanted us to price something and the second job didn't end up going, but the first one did. I was like, well, this is great. We made the right move, you know? Yeah. Or maybe we need to be on both and I'm a fool, but. well. Like you said, it's proven your concept. Yeah. Not every business needs to be on every platform. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's just a fact. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't need, now don't get me wrong, construction companies kill it on TikTok. 
That's yeah. just, oh my Do I need gosh, to be on TikTok? Do. You need to. I, can't, I don't figure, I can't figure it out. Maybe I'm getting old, but <laughs> I, I don't think the algorithm caught up with me. And so I, I got on TikTok and I was like, these so, all seem ridiculous. I do so, not understand all right, it. So you got to look at the hashtags that concern you. I mean, don't be looking at the dancing TikToks unless you want to be out there dancing with your team on a job site, which would be killer content, when it gets by the likes, way. Right. Oh, dude, it would get killer content. Do you like on TikTok? Is yes, that, you okay. like. You okay. like, you share, you do. Uh, there's, we can do a whole show, a whole show just on TikTok alone. Okay. But no, like there are, there are many times when I'll see videos that are construction oriented or like grass, grass cutting videos, man, kill me. Cause I'm like yeah. watching those people edge the corners to get the perfect, like the camera work is all very important. Right. I like to keep a tight lawn. So. You, you keep that. It's like, you see that it's like, wow. Like it just, as a, as a, I don't know if it's a guy thing or what, but it's like, yeah. you, if you appreciate it Absolutely. on LinkedIn, cause you can have fun with it. You know, you show your craft, you show the construction of the house. You do a job site walkthrough of like, Hey guys, here's what not to do. Shoot yourself in the foot with the nail gun, you know? That would just, not be good. Just yeah. funny stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's where LinkedIn's the lighthearted side of the business. So do you think... I mean, TikTok. Do you think <laughs> that our target demographic that's looking to build a building is like, let me thumb through this TikTok real quick? I think a lot of people sit on their phones and a lot of people are on TikTok. And even if it's a younger demographic, I'm not necessarily... I wouldn't abandon it. Young entrepreneurs if, are there. Well, yes, but I'm, what I'm getting at is... You know, I listened to um, I listened to somebody speak about attracting talent, and he said, "You know, we don't go try and attract talent at colleges. We try and get our brand out to high school kids because we want it, we want our brand ingrained in the back of their mind by the time they graduate college. So they want there to come, you go. They want to come to work for us. They want to hire us. They know who we are. There you go. So like, I'm not necessarily knocking." getting my brand in front of a younger demographic. Cause I think it makes a lot more sense for 10 years from now, you know, link, link, LinkedIn is your, maybe your platform to land your clients, mm -hmm. but TikTok's your platform to land your workforce. Yeah. Or just plant seeds for future. Yeah. Or, or plant seeds for future. Or if you come up with something clever and it, and it, and it hits and takes off. Right. Dancing many, with nail guns. That's right. <laughs> I don't <laughs> recommend <laughs> dancing with nail guns. All that could be yeah. pretty, pretty cool. Absolutely. But you then could have, a nephew, a niece, a brother, a sister of a decision maker see that video and go, hey, Sally or John, check out what I just saw. They're yeah. a local company in Baton Rouge and look at this great video they got on the trend. And they'll see that, maybe not as a TikTok user, but someone in their life uses it and shares it with them because they know they're in that industry. And now you've got that connection. Yeah. And now you've got a connection. And the first thing they're going to say is, so you, uh, you like to twirl nail guns around in your hand? And the response is, yes, sir, we do. <laughs> Absolutely. Do it before every shift. That's it. That's our safety meeting. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody duck. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, you've sold me on TikTok. I'm not necessarily thinking I need to be on Facebook Marketplace. Well, Maybe I mean, we'll list ads on yeah. Facebook Marketplace for construction. There you go. We will build your building. There you go. Or, or start selling your excess supplies. There you go. We always end up with that. Could be good. So, yeah. So, it's, and it's, it's always intriguing to hear how people decide to go down their marketing yeah, strategies and why they do that. And I'm excited to see that, you know, your LinkedIn, 100% pictures. Yeah. Pictures, videos of a walkthrough, stories of a walkthrough are huge yeah. to showcase what's going on with the project. Absolutely. Again, it's, you, it's, it's marketing, it's not advertising. Yeah. You know, marketing the brand, getting your brand out there. You're not simply selling the building, right? Yeah. That's your advertising. I mean, hey, come build with us. Advertising. Yeah. Marketing is check out what we're doing. And it's, it's hard to train yourself to stop and take a photo or a video at a construction site because we look at it every day and like, it just You don't like it. And I mean, no, I love it, but I'm looking at it and I'm like, you know, like I wouldn't take a picture of that and be like, hey, I'm going to tell my wife, look at this wall we were building. You know, like <laughs> I just, I mean, this is- She'd be like, hey, you sent me a wall yesterday. I can't tell yeah. the difference. It's not <laughs> enormously interesting in my mind, but the girl that does like our, our social media marketing, she's like- those are interesting. You have to send those to me. Those are very important, you know? So, so are, do you use a firm or do you have someone in-house? We have someone in-house. In-house? Mm -hmm. so, so they need to be following you around yep. with a camera. Yeah. I'm dead serious. They I need know. a camera, a drone, follow you around throughout the entire project, throughout your entire day, and just mm -hmm. film the whole thing. Or hire Flashbang. I hear they do a good job. Yeah. But it's, it's what you need. You need that content creation. Yeah. Every brand does. Oh, I you totally know, while, agree. While you're like, oh... 
yeah, I'm having this meeting, you know, whatever, we're just gonna look at blueprints. Somebody with some cool camera skills can take that, flip it into a really nice video, put it on TikTok, or yeah. put it elsewhere and cross cross post it and now you've got really great content. Yeah. You know, make vlogs and put them on YouTube. Absolutely. Again, it's that branding, not advertising approach to getting the business out there. Absolutely. And I, I love like the strategy behind all that. I love data and like looking at the numbers and like the fact that you can see <clears throat> everything that your post is doing with the audience that you're targeting. Like it's that stuff is fascinating to me. So hundred uh, percent. It's I can look at who my demographics are, where they listen to it, how long they listen to it for, you mm -hmm. know, and who then wants to come and see that. You know? Absolutely. Who wants to get behind the show and say, hey, we want to reach the demographic you have. Yeah. Or better yet, we want to reach the guest you have. You know, yeah. it's this the numbers never lie. One, as a CPA, it's true numbers never lie. Absolutely. But it's also powerful to showcase, hey, this is who we are, this is who our demographic is. And if it's like, oh, we're not reaching who we want, now it's shifted a little bit and try to really tailor it to where we want to be. Sure. So Absolutely. Nick, you man, you're a you're a bold man for sure. I love the <laughs> the story of walking on the job site. <laughs> that's yeah. that's just good. But I'm sure over the you know the the course of your career has been you've probably gathered some lessons along the way. Absolutely. So we've got the the final four questions of the show. Let's do it. Um, which will probably turn into six or twelve. Sure. But what are three lessons you've learned along the way? Oh man. Um. So. Very first one would be be genuine, be yourself. And uh, I found if you do that, that clients and the right type of folks will gravitate towards it. You know, just be genuine, be honest. I love that. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. So what else you got? That's, that was one. I mean, we need right. two more. So uh, another one is something <laughs> that my uncle told me forever ago and just kind of stuck with me. He always told me, stack your bench with the best people you can find as yes. soon as you find them. And it's your job to figure out how to put them to work. A hundred, hundred percent. I, I had had a conversation with somebody today and they were saying, well, what if this, you know, we're, obviously it's not going to fail, but what if this project fails? I said, it's not going to. And they say, well, yeah, but the idea is great. I said, no, 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 you don't look at the idea. Look at the team that they've gathered for that idea. Look at the team they've assembled to build out what they're going to build. They're, they're bound to secure and lock down something. Yeah. You know, it's the team says everything. Yep. And then the third one would be company culture is the most crucial thing to any organization. You know, when last Saturday we're wrapping up a job that we did that we were working around the clock to finish and the guy working next to me was not supposed to be there, wasn't required to be there, but we have the right culture and he wasn't going to leave me there by myself. And so, you know, it's, it's the culture is literally everything in Trump's strategy every day of the week. So. Yeah, happy workers make happy clients. Absolutely. And if, Absolutely. They're, if your employees are not happy, your customers will see that. Yeah, I mean, how do you expect them to represent your brand and you know s signify what you believe in <clears throat> if they're not buying into the culture? Yeah, you know? no, hundred um, percent. So, what is something you did as a kid you wish you could still do today? Man, uh, um, be worry free. Man, <laughs> kids are so happy. They don't have to worry about anything, you know? And, uh, man, just take all that stress off. And, you know, you, the only the only nights you can't sleep are Christmas Eve. And uh, <laughs> I think that would be it, man. Just be worry-free. Gosh. Wouldn't that be something? It would be the best. I, I was I was messaging a friend of mine the other day, and we were talking about, like, something had six years ago. And I was like, man, we thought life was complicated. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. So are you expecting your first right now? Yes, we're expecting all our right. first. Listen to this. So my grandma told my wife and I when she was eight months pregnant, she said, this next month will be the best sleep of your life. And she was like, I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> That's not true. And she was like, because after the next month, you will worry every night for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> and she meant it lighthearted. We were like, oh, man. That, that way too <laughs> deep. Yeah, that is like really exhausting to think about. That, you know? no, it's it's so true. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, like you're that's 100% true. Like right now, I'm like, okay, you know, people are like, oh, I'm worrying about my kid. I'm like, my kid's fine. Yeah. My wife's right here. Kid's yeah. good. Kid's good. <laughs> kid's cared for. Kid's cared for. We're good. Yeah, absolutely. Ne man. We'll never forget them as of right now. You should take Saturday morning naps like nobody's business because those don't exist anymore. You I know? bet not. Now, are you, are, you the, are you the parent that naps while the kid naps? 
man, we try to, but now, so now we have two and, um, you know, the, the big thing used to be like, Oh, first nap. Cause they would take two naps when right, we had right, one. Right. It was like, all we got to do is make it first nap on the weekend. Then we'll get our rest. We'll sleep on the couch, catch up. Well, then he switched to one nap in the afternoon. Now we have the younger one that's on two naps. So now the big thing is the overlapping nap in the yes. afternoon. The overlap nap is a big one. Right when you hit that afternoon crash. Yeah. It's perfect. Eat a big old lunch. Go take a nap. <laughs> so I love that, man. So what um, what do you love about Baton Rouge? Obviously, you were attracted to come back here after working in remote locations. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love the community aspect of it. You know, we're very fortunate to grow up and develop a lot of great relationships here that, that were ultimately what drew me back. You know, we have family here, but we also have family scattered about and, and it's the community that brought me back. So we were very passionate about Baton Rouge and Baton Rouge growing and and, and hope to see it actually uh, continue to happen like it happens in my head. So. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a common theme of the show. I'm, I'm not surprised, but yeah, I'm glad to see that that theme is ever continuing throughout the show. Each episode is that people love the community here. Yeah. They love the fact that you can go somewhere and see someone, you know, when you wouldn't expect it. I mean, I went to the sure. hardware store and ran into somebody I know. I'm, oh, Hey, you know, we caught up. We're able to yeah. chit chat. You know, if you're in, I can't vouch for any other city, but like, I just feel like if you're anywhere else, you know, how, who would you know as much as you know within your own community? Yeah, absolutely. So, and for the final question, what can I do to help, man? Oh man, you're, you're doing it. You know, we, we're, uh, as a, as a emerging brand, as a growing brand, we're, uh, we're trying to get our brand out there and let people know what we're about. And, uh, you know, the first step is, is getting in front of them. So, you know, this exposure is great. I appreciate you taking the time to have us on. No, absolutely, man. I'm glad you, I'm glad you, uh, Slid into my DMs. Absolutely. <laughs> that was a good time getting to know you, man. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Appreciate it. And I thank everybody else for listening, whether it be in person or on the podcasting platforms, whether it be through video or audio. I really appreciate it. I know the guests really appreciate it as well. Um, if you haven't already, check out Build CC. They're on LinkedIn, Instagram, and soon to be TikTok. That's right. Soon to be TikTok. We're going to convince them to get there. Um, and also, if you're loving the show, we'd really appreciate a big thumbs up, a subscribe, a like, and a share as well. And also a big thanks for the people that make this possible, our two wonderful sponsors, Triton Stone Group, which is a locally owned, family-run, women-led business. They carefully curate all types of stones from all over the world. They're going to work with you just like Nick did here with Build CC from every step of the project all the way through. They're going to make sure you're well taken care of. And also for Falaya Real Estate, which is a local-based app that is changing the way that people are buying and selling homes. They're making it easier to access as a regular person without an agent, or if you want the full agent experience, they'll take care of you every step of the way. So check them out and be sure and tell them that the Patty G Show sent you. I'm Patty G, your host with Nick Miller from Build CC. Y'all have a good one.